Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning and to come and share. We're on the third week of the gifts that grow. So I just want to also just say it's lovely to have extended family with us uh, who have come to visit us for the first time. And um, yeah, let me see all the first timers with us today. Just raise your hand. Oh, great. Lovely, lovely. Um, so just a big, big welcome to you. And uh, this morning we are so delighted as we continue to share. And to the Frequency guys, good to have you with us today. Are you all feeling chuffed to be here? Are you happy? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Because if you don't, by the end of this meeting, you're going to have to declare that he's your Jesus, eh? You're going to say yes to him. Yes, no pressure, but the Holy Spirit is here and his word is here and he's going to do it for us. So let us turn to the scripture. And I want to just put it into context, uh, what we're talking about today, Ephesians 4, verse 4, 7, and 11. So let's get into the text today. It's coming onto the screen. Just give me a minute, please. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Today we are focusing on the gift of the evangelist. So what's the big idea? The best evangelists are delighted believers who are enjoying the goodness of Jesus in overflowing measure. And love sharing it with others. And Afrikaanse gezeg gaan het so. Wat die hart van vol is, loop die mond van oor. Want me to repeat that again. Wat die hart van vol is, loop die mond van oor. What the heart is full of, the mouth overflows. That's just a little translation of that. And so this morning, just a minute. So this morning we're having parents with us, and it's so exciting to have parents with us, new parents, maybe you parents who have grown teenagers, and it's exciting to have seen them mature, grow up, because you provided various gifts for them, like nourishment, exercise, education, and you see them come through to maturity. We see some of the newborns, like little Riley over there, mom is presently giving her a bottle of milk, and I can see that. So she's a newborn babe. She needs the milk. She needs that formula, not like class, he needs formula one, because that's a racing thing. She needs a different formula so that she can grow up and be strengthened in a physical frame to come to full maturity. How much more God himself, who is a good father, if we are earthly know how to do good and give good gifts to our children, how much more, says the scriptures, does our heavenly Father give us good gifts? And we see this in our text today. He gives the gifts 
uh, to the church. Now, take note, Christ himself gives these gifts. It's not via someone else. He himself gives these gifts. It's part of the promise of the Father. And when Jesus prayed, Father, would you send the comforter? He says, I will. And we see that unfolding in the New Testament text as Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit, comes because of what the Father is doing. So we grow up into maturity, and Christ is wanting to see His church mature. We're not just growing up, but there's a maturing that happens because and as a result of the gifts He gives to the church. Verse 7, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. What a generous Savior. Say amen to that. If you're a Christ follower, you would say amen. If you don't know him, I want to introduce you to this Jesus even in my talk today so that you get to know the generousness and the love of this Father that is extended to you. Verse 11 says, now these are the gifts Christ himself gave to the church. We looked at the gift of the apostles, the gifts of prophets. Today we're looking at the gifts of the evangelist. We said the apostles do what? They are? The prophets do what? Prophesy. Okay, that's a better starting point. The apostles do what? Apostolize. Evangelists do what? Oh, yeah. We speak a word for Jesus. That's what we do. These gifts or grace gifts are extraordinary gifts that are given to ordinary Christ followers. These are extraordinary, they're supernatural gifts that are given to ordinary Christ followers. So we can make the following observations about the gift of the evangelist. The gift of the evangelist is to teach others how to share their faith. It is telling the story of Jesus. Evangelism consists of telling others the gospel story. It is not a non-verbal witness. Evangelists verbally proclaim the message to others. Francis of Assisi says, speak the gospel and it needs to be used words. I want to say we need to use words when we proclaim. Now, it could be words that is spoken audibly. It could be words in a letter or in a book or people who cannot speak or they have, uh, uh, they mute. They would say, hang on, I can use sign language. So there's different forms of communicating and it needs to be done under the power of the Spirit. So the working definition of evangelism is this. The Spirit-given ability to share the good news of salvation, which is the gospel. What is the gospel? The word evangelism comes from the Greek word meaning to proclaim the good news. An evangelist tells others the good news about Jesus Christ. The good news is that Jesus died for the sins of the world, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Jesus Christ is the one who conquered sin and death. This is the message which the evangelists proclaim. And I too proclaim that this morning. He has overcome the power of sin and death. And therefore we stand even praying for those who are physically not well today. Because by His stripes we are healed. That's in the death of Christ that has been declared. And this is the good news. John 3 verse 16. I recall, I was a young boy, and I got onto the train many years ago. I wasn't an old dude doing this. I was a 16-year-old boy on the train. We drove, got on the train at retreat station. We went all the way to town, and we'd come back again. And I would preach this, 
John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, whoever puts their trust, their implicit trust in him, will not be put to shame. They will receive eternal life. Verse 17 says, those who do not believe, they are condemned already because of their unbelief. And I would repeat that over and over again. I wasn't a broken record then, but I keep repeating it as I was going into town and I came back again. And God can use you, frequency guys, in the same fashion because the Spirit and the Word, when it comes upon us, empowers us to do justice. So who is it that enables, sorry, who is it that enables the evangelist or those who are taught to evangelize to share the good news? It is the Holy Spirit who enables us. I was going to say, give a shout out to the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's not just a force, as some believe. He's just not an enigma. He is the third person. He has personality. His presence is here. Because when we proclaim the word of truth, was Christ is here, he comes and makes it alive to us. Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which includes all the people in Cape Town need to hear this. In your school, they need to hear this. In your workplace, they need to hear this. They need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's say a few things about this gift. Firstly, it could be shared one-on-one or in front of a large group. I'm doing partly that today. I'm sharing it in front of a large group. We see in Acts chapter 8, uh, this role is fulfilled by Philip in both instances. The one he goes and he's actually witnessing to a large crowd in Samaria. And a great revival broke out in Samaria. And then we see again where he's under the leading of the Holy Spirit. God calls him to go and witness to an Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting with the Old Testament book of Isaiah and didn't know what he was reading. If it's just a little segue, the book of Isaiah is the, the great Old Testament gospel book. Go and read it if you have the time and love Jesus. Think about this, modern day proclaimers of uh, good, the good news. We think of those who had, uh, gathered large crowds like Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonker. They shared with thousands of people. And we'd see these uh, uh, crusades happening. And I know even Joyce, I mean, she responded to the message of Billy Graham. Okay? So God raised up one person, take note, to witness to Billy Graham. Billy Graham, by the augmentation of that witness, rise up to preach to thousands. Who knows what God can do to, through the power of one, witnessing for Jesus. Point two, this gift is at the center of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. By what authority we do this? By the authority of Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always. Thank you, Jesus. Even to the end of the age. That is powerful. 
He's given us all authority. It was not only for them then, it's for us now as well. Thirdly, the contribution of this gift is to build up the body. Oh, it adds to the body. As people get to know Jesus, they come into the local church. So the universal church grows, but also the local church is growing. It's like giving the church a blood transfusion. Oh, a new lease of life. Yeah. There's giving you excitement. There's new joy. When people come to know Jesus, and that's what we want to see. People getting to and coming to know Jesus. So Reeves and Harms said these words. They said, mission is, and only ever I'll be caught up in the already gushing tide of blessing that flows from the heart of the Father. See this as a tsunami coming from heaven and just pulling us with it. That is the gospel message. Nothing can stand the gospel message. Not even the gates of hell can come up against it. And Jesus says, my church will ever increase. My kingdom will ever increase until the coming of Christ Jesus. That is in the gospels. So there's no holding back. We see a new tide of believers coming into churches. I attended a memorial of my cousin yesterday. And even at the local church, the pastor said to me, there's just a new flow of people coming into the church. God gave me this word the other day when we met together with the congregational leaders. We need to keep our doors wide open. There's a new flood of people coming in and that are hungry after the word of God. Let's observe some characteristics of people with the evangelistic gift. They love seeing people becoming Christ followers. They're after them. I think of my mother. My mother, oh, she was a gem. She'd have a conversation with you, and before you know, next one, she'd ask you, do you know the Lord? And it was always just quickly, the segue was sharp. She's like, do you know the Lord? Do you love him? We had an old pastor, Pastor Julie, gone to be with the Lord as well as my mom already, and he'd always have a conversation with you, like I did with the frequency guy that says, how are you today? Do you love Jesus? And with gentleness, they did this. Secondly, they care about those who are not Christ followers, wanting them to come to Jesus through the sharing of the goodness of salvation. Romans 10 verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. There's something about my story and his story coming together. When his story clips my story, who gets the glory? He gets the glory. Why? Because a life is changed, a life is transformed, a life is redeemed. We don't gather here because we are broken people. We gather not here because we are an imperfect people. We gather here because we are redeemed people. He laid down his life for us. He gave us his life. And so by that life, we want to go and display his glory. An important note. All of ministry and all the gifts intersect with a life-changing, powerful word of God. And the Spirit coming upon the Word causes the gifts to bring great change and effect in people's lives. Do you know He's given you a gift? Are you aware of it? I'm sure today you know that He's given you a gift. And you're not going to leave this place the same. You may have come in here giftless, but you're going to walk out here with a gift. Oh yes, one way or the other you're going to know this. As a Christ follower, you know He's given you a gift. If you have come in here not knowing him, you're going to go out here today, and I believe by faith, because you've put your trust in Jesus today. Thirdly, people with this gift of evangelism are sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. I alluded to that already, like Philip, who was led by the Spirit to go to the Ethiopian eunuch and expound the gospel, the good news, to that 
Ethiopian eunuch. Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to lead you? Whether it is to the guy at the garage, whether it is to someone just down the road at the veggie shop, Dale Moody says, you always go to, he was always, when he prepared his sermon, was always going to share it with the milkman. So if he said, if you could understand, you could preach it to anyone. And that's what we do. You preach it there. And so then anyone can understand this, right? Fourthly, they had a passion and boldness in sharing their faith with others. I was just so encouraged by my brother L this morning, L Jones. Uh, he came up to me and he just says, man, this is probably your topic to speak on. You're just filled with this. So I didn't say it. He said it to me. So thanks, Al, my bud. Love you. Yeah. They had the knack for turning the conversation, uh, conversation to Jesus and to eternal things. That was my mom. She did very quickly. I would take a few days and I'll get there. But my mom was like, she was sharp. Yeah. There was an old song we sang way back in the day. It was a fantastic song. Don't sing it right now. I may just break out into the song. It says, tell the world that Jesus saves. Tell the wondrous story of his grace and his glory. Tell the world that Jesus saves. There's an Afrikaans version to that as well. Gaan vertel dat Jesus red. Gaan vertel die story van sy liefde en sy glorie. Gaan vertel dat Jesus red. I'm not going to sing it. Mark can do that next time. Some cautions. I want to say as witnesses and evangelists for Jesus. Don't manipulate people's emotions. It was in the back in the day, if you don't turn, you will burn story. No, 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 no. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Oh, no. Even when he looked at Legion, the man filled with demons, he said, and he looked at him and he had compassion on him. That was my first encounter when I was called to go and Pray for someone that was demon-possessed. I looked in their eyes. The world was going crazy. And I just recalled Jesus having compassion on the person. That's what we're called to do. Don't be forceful. Share with gentleness. First Peter 3 verse 15 says, Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you are living the way you are. And always with the utmost courtesy. Some of you may say, I don't have the gift of evangelism. And this is not in my personality. I'm not an extrovert to be a witness for him. Do you know me? I'll tell you my story. I'm not a people upfront person. I'm not. You can ask my wife there. We sat in a place one day and a friend of mine was at school with me this was in high school already. Uh, well, I wasn't one of much of a talker. And she met us at the restaurant that was years later. And she said, I didn't know he talks. But it was her words to Joyce. Seriously. But there's something when the word of God dwells in you richly and the spirit of God comes upon you. So there's the initial faith that we get from God, which is the gift of salvation. And secondly, there's the gift of the baptism of the spirit that empowers us to do this. So something excites me about the gospel, and that's why I talk about it. I become a blabbermouth for Jesus. Because something of the gospel excites me. If you love something, you will share it with others, right? Class, when you were in love with Megs, everybody knew about it, right? Yeah. Hey? If you had your way, the news bulletin would have had it. Hey? 
That plane flying from east to west would have had the flag behind. I love Maggie. Yeah. Hey? Yeah. Think about it. Do you love Jesus? The big idea is this goodness of Jesus. He's loving our hearts. We want to tell others about this love. It's not just for us to keep. No, it's for us to share. Just as I told you, the age of 14, I was asked by a pastor, and some of you get ready for this. I, I speak faith into this already. You're going to be leading meetings with us. I was asked at the age of 14 to come and lead a meeting, and I got up. I had butterflies in my tummy. Believe me, John, where are you? Those butterflies never got in line anyway through that whole meeting. They were all over the place. But my mom always said these words to me, and I heard Stephen Jack later on also saying the success of his ministry is always saying yes with discernment to God's call. When any time you hear God's call upon your life, you discern it by the spirit of truth, and you say yes to it. And that's been where I am today, just saying yes to Jesus. Yes, Lord, I'll do this for you. I don't have all the brain cells for it, but I'm, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to put some you know, blood, sweat, and tears into it, but I'm going to do it for you. Just remember, you and I are the salt of the earth. Matthew 5 is 13. The meaning of salt according to the uh, dictionary.com, salt of the earth means an individual or group considered as representative of the best or noblest elements of society. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. When I read that, this verse just popped up inside of me. It jumped up, it leaped up, yeah. It says, for you are chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive in Christ Jesus. Oh, Jesus is here to quicken us. Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that has raised Jesus from, dead, from the dead is here to quicken our mortal bodies to serve the purposes of the King of glory. As we come into land, here are some tools. Donnie said they're not toys. They are tools to help us to be effective witnesses. First, we use the acronym SALT, as I just alluded to. We are the salt of the earth. So the S in SALT is to start a conversation. Engaging is easy to do. It begins with, hi, how are you? I remember my journey into the garage with all those um, front port attendants. I'd say, hi, how are you? I know them all by name now. I know where they're from. I get to hear their family stories. I can drive in there, leave my keys in the ignition, go into the shop and come out, my car will still be there. So these guys, we've built a little family. There's a trust thing there. But it all started with, hi. And then secondly, A, I showed an interest in them. I asked the question, where are you from? Why are you here? We're from Malawi. The one guy was Muslim, the other one is Christian. So I get to know their story. That is so important to do. And then I took the time to listen. Oh, sometimes we, when we become blabbermouths, we forget to switch off. We have verbal diarrhea at times. So every person has a story to tell, and they just want to be listened to. So why not just listen instead of talking? Take the time. Maybe there's somebody you need to have a listening ear for this week. Discern by the Spirit, even as you do this. And then the T in tell a story. When it is your turn to speak, you can transition in sharing the story of how Jesus changed your life. 
share the story of your story, how it was intercepted by his story. Move from your story to the gospel story. I had a story to tell you about my friend Imlam. He came into my home. I got him on the street. I said, hi, Imlam. Are you available just to come and help me? He said, yes. He came into our house and uh, asked him if he could do the varnishing on my floor. He attempted it and he said, no, I can't do that. And I said, okay. And I said, man, I'm hungry now. I'm peckish. Let's eat. So we sat down for a meal and we got eating. And he says, why do you do this for me? He said, everyone else I work for, they just give me water and some old bread. I said, because you are created wonderfully in the image of God. I'm witnessing now. Watch this. And as we go on through the day, he's like, there's something just about you. And he kept asking, what do you do? I'm not going to tell him what I do. I said, well, I just love Jesus. I'm not going to tell him any office or role or whatever. No, just that's it. I love Jesus. And then he said to me, when, are you at a church? So I said, yes, I'm at Common Ground Church. Can I come with you to church? And on a day, he was to come with us to Constantinburg. He couldn't make that day. And the next time I got to preach at Weinberg, he says, can I come with you? I said, sure, come along. Emlon walked into that venue. And you know what he said to me after the meeting? He says, I gave my life to Jesus because your actions matched your words. He's no more Imlan. He's now Aaron. He changed his name there and then. Say, I'm no longer Imlan. He's given us a new name. A name that no one can erase from the palms of the master. It says, our names are engraved on the palms of his hand. Read it any way you want to. That's God's holy tattoo of my name is on his hand. I'm not, I'm not promoting tattoos, guys. Just, just, just don't hear me that. But I think that's so amazing. He's got my name. Listen, he's got my name on the palm of his hand. So the big idea today was the best evangelists are delighted believers who are enjoying the goodness of Jesus in an overflowing measure and love sharing it with others. Let Jesus ignite you today. Do you want him to come and ignite you today? This is my prayer of dedication. Do you want him to touch you today? I see one hand up already. Do you want him just to come and infuse you with his spirit afresh today? Because he shouted out in John 7, all are thirsty, come, come and drink. Come and drink drafts, says the message translation of the spirit of God. Come and drink. Come and drink. Because he wants to give us life and life eternal. He does. If you're living just under the radar, he wants to give you life and life eternal. Doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. Look at Job. Job is my man. Hey, he went through all that he went through, and yet he says, I still love God. Even though he's slain me, yet I will trust him. So that's my marker, man, in Scripture. I love him. But more than that, Jesus is my coach, man. Hey, I get my life from him. So let me pray for you today. How many of you want to receive just, Lord, use me in a way this week, afresh? I want to be a witness for you. Today, you may have acknowledged God has given me a gift. I don't see myself as an evangelist. I just see myself receiving that gift, just like these light bulbs that are on here. There's an evangelist gift that augments all the other lights. In other words, it brings to life all the gifts of evangelism within us. Just even if you speak a word for Jesus, Lord, I pray that those who are raising their hands this morning, that your spirit in supernatural power will come upon them. Yes, they're ordinary people, but God can take what is ordinary and use it in an extraordinary way for his glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
So I'm just transitioning. We prayed this week, and we had those prayer prompts. How many of you have been praying the advanced prayer prompts that have been coming on our WhatsApp page, Facebook page, and also on Instagram? Yes. And so we've been praying because as a church, we're part of the movement, advanced movement, uh, gospel movement, and uh, we've been praying for Africa this week. So I want to just quote Watchman Nee right here. So I said we are a people that love witnessing for Jesus, but we are also a delighted people who love to pray. And we pray this week, and Watchman Nee says, prayer are like the tracks on which the locomotive of God's power begins to move. And so we lay the tracks, and we trust in God to move, and these are in two areas. We prayed for God to strengthen churches by providing leaders, support teams, finances, and we prayed for new church plants and for church planters to be equipped to go. And so this morning we stand in agreement with all the prayers that have gone before this week. So we give thanks to our Lord of the harvest. We go to the Lord of the harvest. We don't just run towards the need. We go to the Lord of the harvest and say, Lord of the harvest, stir up within us men and women that are ready to go and do your bidding. This is all for your glory. Amen and amen.